0: You're listening to an airwave media podcast. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queens Podcast. And here at Queens, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans Voodoo Queen, Marie Laveau to Marie Antoinette and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charles, with your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into welcome 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 friends i'm tk your tour guide to the past and you are listening to for the love of history the podcast where we talk about world history women's history and weird history and welcome to the 100th episode of for the love of history podcast i'm so incredibly excited i'm so incredibly grateful that there have been so many history bffs throughout this 3 years that i've been doing this podcast that continue to support me there's more history bffs than i could have ever imagined i mean we just hit 81,000 downloads um on the podcast just last week and today we have like 22,000 like 500 history bffs on instagram which is absolutely well, I, I can't even I, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that there are so many history BFFs here who like wanna listen to the <laughs> my weird ramblings. <laughs> So I'm really grateful for all of the people that are here. So on Instagram, I left a few question boxes for people to ask life questions, podcast questions, Japan questions, history questions, and we got a lot of questions. And I kind of broke them into a few categories, make it a little bit easier to follow, easier for me. So we are gonna get started with, I think, Podcast questions. We'll start with a question from one of my one of my real life history BFFs, Closeted History. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to. They asked lessons that you learned about podcasting along the way. So I've been podcasting for about three years now. And there have been many a lesson that I've learned along the way. One of them is you can't do everything all at once, even though you really, really want to, because burnout is real. Burnout is so real. (laughs) So I, yeah, I've been doing my podcast for three years by myself, solo. Just me, myself, and I editing, recording, creating each script creating the reels for Instagram. So I've learned I've learned how to edit on GarageBand. I've he- learned how to make a YouTube video and honestly making this kind of content is it takes a long time. So if you're watching YouTube or if you're listening to anything, if you're consuming any kind of content, leave a like on not 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 just mine but any creator that you like or support it is it means so much even if it's just like a little heart little heart emoji on their video or their you know their content that they make because it is so hard um, another lesson is, community is really important. And you're not just speaking into the void. There are people that listen to you and your words do have impact. So it's really cool. I have uh, just the other day, I received two birthday presents from some history BFFs, one from the States and one from Portugal. So it's really, really cool that this tiny little thing that I decided to make has reached so far. So that's really fun. That's, that's what I've kind of learned through podcasting. So yeah, it's, it's really nice. I love having this community. Um, the next question is favorite episode, favorite episode. Mm, I, I always think not always this is not true. There are some episodes that I absolutely dislike that have been an, a real struggle to finish. Like years ago, the um the birthday episode that I made on my birthday. I think it was 2 years ago. Hated it. Thought it was going to bomb. It was awful. It did all right. It didn't do great, but uh it was not it was not a good episode in my opinion. But my favorite episode recently has been last season's Mulan episode, and this season's, um, just the last one, The Rat Trials. Hilarious. I had to take so many breaks when recording that episode because I was dying laughing. It's so weird (laughs) to me that people, grown adults, all in one room would just Make the decisions that they made that if you haven't listened to the rat trial episode, please go listen to it because it's so funny. It's so, so funny. so, yeah, that that is definitely my those are definitely my two favorite episodes that. I can think of right off the top of my head. The next question that I got was from another one of my favorite um, accounts on Instagram, the museum teaching fun account, which I absolutely, I absolutely love her. She's so great. If you aren't following museum teaching fun, she is absolutely amazing. She's a museum educator. Love her so much. And her question is, What is your purpose in teaching history, as in what do you hope people will learn? So the whole reason, I guess there's two reasons. I kind of began teaching way back eight years ago as a world history teacher. I don't know if you know that, but yeah, I was a a world history teacher for seventh graders back in the States. And my motivation then was... Pretty shallow. I loved history, so I wanted to share it. But then, as I transitioned to being a teacher overseas, I realized that I love. Helping people feel seen through history. So sometimes, you know, you feel really, I don't know, alone sometimes, like, oh my gosh, this thing that I'm experiencing, nobody else has ever experienced this before. And through studying history, I've come to realize that that's just not true, that humans have been experiencing the same things over and over and over again since humans were human and up in this world. So, I guess the purpose of me teaching history is to, number one, make sure people don't feel alone or not make sure, help people feel less alone in the world because the world is really scary and to make it easy to learn history because it can be really hard and really inaccessible, really inaccessible, so... I guess that's my purpose. Making history accessible, making history relatable, and making it fun because holy cow, do people sometimes make history so unbearably boring? And this is coming from a person who absolutely loves history. There are some teachers that I have had that have made history incredibly boring. So museum... Teaching Fun has like a second part to her question. What is your favorite story to teach that? So, to teach my purpose of teaching history, to teach my purpose of teaching history. <laughs> I guess I don't really have one story. I kind of just see, you know, what, if I'm talking face to face with people, I see what hit, what story I think would resonate with them best. And On my podcast, I, as you know, if you've listened, I cover so many topics, so many different topics in order to reach a wider audience. Real world history is super important to me, not only getting European history, Roman Greek history, but also, you know, West African, Southeast Asian history, Korean history, Chinese history, all of that is really important for me to cover in my podcast. So I guess I don't have one favorite story to teach, which is kind of a boring answer, but that is my answer. (laughs) Sorry. The next question is from one of my absolute favorite people in the world. They ask, if you, if someone told you three years ago that this was going to be your life, what would you say to them? I would say, uh, full of shit, because (laughs) I don't think anybody would want to listen to me ramble for 30 minutes um, about things that I think are cool. So the fact that, you know, we have so many people in this community is mind boggling to me. So I don't, I I think if Time Traveling TK came back and was like, hey, you're going to have this podcast and you're going to have this community on Instagram, I would be like, GTFO what the hell are you talking about? I, I really don't think that's true because I'm literally recording an episode on my iPad and starting and stopping YouTube royalty-free music to make <laughs> an episode. <laughs> so I would not believe them. I definitely wouldn't believe them, but I'd be excited. I'd be excited about it. So our next question is, what is the history behind Sharon. So it seems like r- these last few days, a lot of people have been brought into the History BFF community via the History Hotline. So I posted a video um, just a few days ago of Sharon, the character. She's, she's the owner and operator of <laughs> the History Hotline. So the story behind Sharon is literally I was in the shower thinking of some different things you know, ideas for reels. I was feeling really stuck and I wasn't liking the talking to screen format really anymore. Like it wasn't as fun for me. So I wanted to try something different and I started messing around with a with a Midwestern accent. I love the Midwestern accent. And I actually I I secret, secret. I used to do pinup in Idaho. I used to do pinup in Idaho, um, where I used to live. And I was in a pinup contest. And we had to do a talent, right? We had to do a secret talent. And I had no talent. So I did a Midwestern Sarah Palin impersonation. And it was great. And I won. So ever since then, I've been like, you know, speaking in this weird Midwestern accent and I thought it would be really fun to bring a character into for the love of history lore as this Midwestern really sweet lady who, you know, just wanted to help out and, you know, the be the kind of teacher that I wish I had in school sometimes. Yeah, so Sharon came about in the shower. That's how Sharon came. (laughs) And then I started practicing the voice, and here we are. One of my other favorite history podcasts, Past Pod, love her stuff. She asks, How did you get into podcasting and would you do anything different now? Yes, a thousand percent yes. So I got into podcasting during the pandemic. I call them pod- pandemic pods. A lot of podcasts started up during the pandemic because, you know, everybody had a lot of, lot of time on their hands. Not everybody, some people had a lot of time on their hands. And, um, That was my reality. And I was like, what am I going to do? I have just so much time and I don't know what to do. And I had been listening to the History Chicks podcast for like years. And I just thought it would be fun. I thought it would be a fun time to do it. So, like I said, I started recording on my iPad, my little iPad mini that I had um, using royalty-free music on YouTube. And that's how it got started. I showed my friends my first episode, which was the Turkey God, the Aztec Turkey God episode, which is such a weird episode to start on. So yeah, that's how I got started. And things that I would do differently now, have more episodes recorded before I start a season. So... I wish I would have had more episodes recorded before I got started, and I really wish that I would have done season-based instead of bi-weekly podcast episodes at the beginning. It was it was really hard at the beginning to do bi-weekly episodes. I was like pumping out content left and right, and the burnout was so real, so yeah, that's that's what I would do differently. So I think we're going to move into like some general history questions and we're going to start with one of my favorite. So one of the history BFFs asks, if you could invite five people from the past over for dinner, who would you choose? This is such a good question. First, Hatshepsut. Hatshepsut, we've done an episode on Hatshepsut. She is the female Pharaoh, right? So I want to invite her to dinner to ask her what the heck happened. Like, why do you know why your son would destroy all of your images that you worked so hard to create? So I would want to talk to her. Hatshepsut is number one. Number two would be Empress Jingu, I think. Yes, Empress Jingu, who is kind of the mythological empress of Japan. So I would want her to come to dinner, eat... I'm assuming that we all speak the same language, okay? I'm assuming that we all speak the same language and that uh, we were able to communicate. So I would have Empress Jingu come, the Japanese Empress Jingu. We've also done an episode on her to tell me what ancient Japan was like, like 2,000 years ago. Oh, I want to know everything. And then number three, I would love to have, gosh, let's see. Um, Fatima Al Fahiri. I want her to come and tell us about how she started the first university. I would love to know about that. (gasps) I also would love to bring the pirate. Oh my gosh, the pirate, pirate queen. Oh, the Chinese pirate queen. Why can I not remember her name right now? Zeng Yi Sao. I would love to have Zeng Yi Sao on my podcast not on my podcast <laughs> come to dinner and then one more one more um i would have i would have my great 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 grandmother come to dinner she was like alive in the 1700s and she went to university and i want to know what that was like i want to know what that was like for her to be a woman that long ago and Go to university. It's so freaking cool. So now we're going to move to some Japan questions, Japan slash life questions. So if you don't know, I live in Japan. I've lived in Japan for seven years. I came over fresh out of university and my first teaching job. Uh, my original plan was I was only going to stay here for a year, maybe two. And uh, seven years later, here we are. I'm currently in my eighth year. I celebrated my Japan anniversary on uh, July 27th, I believe. Yeah. So we're going to start moving into some Japan questions now. So, uh, we'll go with our first question. What is the hardest part of getting used to or fitting into a new culture? Ooh, that is an excellent question. I think at the beginning of moving to a place, it's really easy to fit into the culture because everybody, um, at least in my experience in Japan. People just assume that you don't know things. So at the beginning, it's it's easy to fit in because people make a lot of accommodations for you, which is so lovely. Um, and once again, I'm speaking to my experience in Japan. Um, and then gradually, as you know, you've been living here for a while, one year turns to two, two years turns to three, then people's expectations of you Start to increase, and that's when it becomes difficult, because I didn't realize at the time that that's what was happening. So, for example, drinking culture in Japan is very structured. like uh, when I would go to drinking parties with teachers, i um at the you know the first two years, I wouldn't be expected to you know, order things or serve drinks or make sure everybody, you know, was still had their glasses full, stuff like that. But as time went on, I, you know, I was the youngest teacher. So I was then expected to do those things because as the youngest individual, you are expected to make sure everybody has full drinks, full bellies, having fun. And you're the one who does all the coordinating with the restaurant, right? So that was kind of hard to learn those unspoken rules. That was difficult. Um, and then another thing that was difficult was learning learning Japanese. Japanese is a really hard language to learn, so that was a big struggle. And so at the beginning, it was a big struggle fitting in by not knowing the language. but then, after learning the language and showing that you're learning the language people were really um appreciative that you were learning the language and like making an effort and then that made it easier one thing that i think that a lot of people don't talk about is food getting into the food i love japanese food totally completely um but it's hard to fit into grocery shopping culture the cuts of meats are different here the food that you can get in the grocery store is different here um in just ingredients in general are different so if i was in the states and i really wanted to like have a pizza night i could go and get the ingredients that i'm familiar with and make a pizza there's like pizza making kits in the states there's uh, pre made pizza crusts, things like that. But here I have to make my own. There's, there's like no pizza making kits unless you're in the really big cities. And I am not in a really big city, I'm in a very small city. So that kind of fitting into the new culture was kind of tough. Um, and yeah. Yeah, those were the things that were the most tough. Um, and knowing when it's appropriate to speak on public transportation, knowing when to take your shoes off, knowing how to order, what was appropriate to talk about with people. That was difficult at first, but now it's, it's much better. I've lived here for seven years, so it's okay. It's always, i not always, in my experience, being an expat, The love-hate relationship with the country that you live in is like a wave. So there's some times that I'm like, yes, Japan. Oh, my God. I love it. And then there's other times that I'm like, I just wish that I could go to the grocery store and get some cottage cheese without having to pay like $10. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that is a struggle from time to time. Okay. Next Japan question. What are the perks of living in Japan? Excellent question. So there are several perks of living in Japan. Um, Number one, traveling to different places, super duper easy. I can hop on a train and be in Osaka in like three hours. That is super cool. I can also walk 20 minutes that way. And there is a 500 year old temple, just chilling, just straight chilling ready for me to go over there and see. Um, Another thing that's really cool is I can fuel my obsession with cool art um, here in Japan. Um, Another thing is the food is fantastic. I love the food and having access, access to a lot of historical places is probably the best perk. I do love it. Insurance is also not too bad. Insurance is really nice here in Japan. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Okay, so the next question is, are you enjoying the new city? So if you don't know, I moved about a month and a half ago from Hiroshima to a teeny, teeny, tiny little town. And it has, it's honestly, it's kind of been tough um, because this area, although the population is similar, it's very spread out. So I can't just walk to places anymore. That's so that's that's kind of tough. Um and there's yeah, there's just less access to things here um without getting in a car. We have a car. Unfortunately, I'm not able to drive in Japan yet. So that's kind of like a new version of Greek hell, having a car right in front of your house and then not being able to drive it. And yeah. So that's, that's been kind of tough, but I am enjoying being so close to the ocean. The ocean is right there. It's so beautiful. We saw stingrays the other day, which was gorgeous. Um, I'm able to take walks in the woods in our backyard, which is really nice. So, that's lovely i I love that. Um, and there's lots of nature here, and we also live really close to the first temple in the eighty eight temple pilgrimage um, on Shikoku. That's a whole we we have to cover that someday because that is a really cool thing and uh, the next question I thought was hilarious. so if if you're new. You may not know that I call the cats history helpers sometimes. Uh, Waffles and Morty are the history helpers. And um, <laughs> somebody asked, what are the personalities of the history helpers? Which is an excellent question. So Waffles is... I want to be on you all the time. I want to be on your laptop. I want to be in the podcast. Oh, you're recording a reel? Let me start, you know, meowing all the time. So she's very vocal, very friendly, very lovey-dovey cat, and she is the boss. And then we have Morty, who is the, uh, he's not a cat. He's a cat, but he's not a cat. Um, He doesn't know how to cat. He's very, uh, like, weird. He doesn't like to be pet, but he loves to touch his feet onto your feet. He loves going outside, but you have to hold him while he goes outside. And, uh, yeah, he's a very aloof, grumpy, grumpy kitty cat. So yeah, those are the the personalities of the two history helpers. Um, next question. What changes would you like to see in learning history in school? Ooh, So if I had my say, I would have a history teacher be more like a facilitator. So not lecture style classes, but if, and this isn't a perfect world where money is not an option or an option (laughs) where money is not an object, like it doesn't matter. I would have history teachers bring in professors. I would have them bring in people from indigenous groups. I would have them bring in people, if we're talking about more recent history, bring in people who are, you know, lived that experience or something like that. And the history teacher would be more of a facilitator of questions and a teacher of research, like teach you how to conduct research, how to do project-based learning for all you education people out there, and be a facilitator of bringing people into the classroom. So if I had my way, that's what I would do. That's what I would, the changes that I would make to history, education, all over the world. <laughs> no, just in the United States. <laughs> okay let's see okay we'll go to this one my top three favorite authors which is an impossible an impossible thing to ask me um so I will give you my top three favorite authors right now (laughs) so my first favorite author right now his book just came out. I've started reading it. It's incredible. The author of The Sons of Darkness, um, his name is Gaurav Mahatni. Uh, Mohanty. I'm so sorry, Gaurav, if I s- said that wrong. Mohanti. Mohanti. Thank you. Mohanti. And um, this is like if India and Lord of the Rings met. It's this book. It, not Lord of the Rings. Uh, the one with the dragons. Game of Thrones. <laughs> If Game of Thrones was set in India, this is this book. Right, right here. It's so good. Um, I also love June Her. I just interviewed her a while ago. I also love Aparna Verma, her book comes out, The the Phoenix King, her book comes out later on in August. I also interviewed her, and uh, her interview will come out in about two weeks. She's amazing, a historical fiction book, which is just just a fiction book with historical characters in it. Excellent. Who else? What else do I have over here? I also love not necessarily this author, but this book, Spice. Excellent. It's so, so, so good. Um I also love the woman who read da, 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 this one. Sorry, <laughs> reach it up here. Um, I love Sue Lin Tan. She is an amazing author. Uh, this is also a mythological fiction. Is it historic fiction when it's historically mythology? Is that, does that count? Anyways, it's a, a adaptation of the story of the, the mythology of the moon goddess in Chinese mythology, and um, it's excellent. I'm reading book two right now of hers. Fantastic book. So, so, so good. And then I feel like I've given so many... Fiction recommendations. I'm gonna give you some non-fiction recommendations. This one, Lillian Smith, Killers of the Dream. Lillian Smith fan fantastic book. Love that book. Who else? The Girls That Went Away by who is the author? I forgot her name. I'm horrible with remembering names. I'm so sorry. Who are you? Anne Fessler. Yeah. Anne Fessler. Incredible. And then I'll give you one more. Mothers of Massive Resistance. An incredible book. Super, super amazing book by Elizabeth Glipsy McRae. Chef's Kiss. So good. So now you have some recommendations of some of my favorite authors, both fiction and nonfiction. Okay. Let's see. We're We're coming to our final questions. Um, well, since I'm in the recommendation mood, let's talk about some of my favorite podcasts. So some of my favorite podcasts, I absolutely love, uh, Past Pod, so good, Hightailing History, um, I'm going to give recommendations for my favorite like indie podcasts. I love uh, Queen's History Podcast. I love vulgar history. It's so good. Um, I love Who Did What Now? And I also listen to... Ooh, 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 who else off the top of my head? Oh, Closeted History Podcast. Chef's Kiss, love them so much. Those are some of my favorite podcasts uh, by people that I know. (laughs) There's also podcasts like I love listening to Rhett and Link's uh, Ear Biscuits. I love A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. Those, that's a great podcast. Um, I also listen to not history related, but um, oh my goodness, I'm I'm blanking on my new... My new history BFFs, um, podcast names. Uh, editing TK here. The podcast is called F Them Fish ADHD for Grownups. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. Love you, bye. Absolutely fantastic podcast. Love it so much. So I guess we'll we'll end our live today with our very last question. So our very last question is, what do you love most about the For the Love of History community? Which is a fantastic question. I think this community is full of some of the kindest and most understanding people on the internet. I'm so thankful to have just so many people from all over the world want to get into history. There's been so many comments on videos and so many reviews on the podcast saying like I wish I wish my history teacher was like this or I wish I would have learned this earlier or you know I feel like I can actually learn history and those are the messages that like get me choked up I'm like oh my god (sighs) because I honestly there has been so many times when I I did I wanted to stop I didn't want to do this anymore because I thought who is listening who is there and I'm speaking into the void. Um, I'm just talking one way, and nobody is talking back. But then, you know, I'll get that rating, uh, not rating review on, you know, Apple Podcast, um, and people say just the most lovely things. And you know, I'll get an email. I once got an email from a follower's husband who said, um, like. My wife listens to your podcast all the time. Could you give her a shout out? And I was like, oh my God, that's so sweet. Oh, we are. We're here. We love you. I love you guys too. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) You guys make me so happy. Thank you. So yeah, I just, I'm so appreciative. Oh, you guys. (laughs) You're going to make me cry. I am crying. Oh, geez. So yeah, I just, I love this community so much. Um... The people that are here who are casual listeners or the people who are diehard fans who, you know, listen every Friday and send me messages (laughs) when the episode is up a little bit late or like, are you okay? Um, everybody just love them so much. Yeah, I'm so happy that we made it to 100 episodes, and I'm excited for the 200th episode. And I'm excited to grow the podcast and have more history BFFs, and yeah, build the whole whole community and for the love of history empire. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just really thankful for this community. So you mean <clears throat> you mean more to me than you know. So. Thank you so much for joining me um, on this live recording. Uh, I was a little bit rambly, but you know, it's fine. We love a digression here. Um, so thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. And uh, here's to many, many more episodes of For the Love of History. So with that, I will tell you to go do something kind for yourself. Do something that makes you happy. Drink your water. Drink your water. Ice coffee does not count as water. (laughs) And I will see you in our next episode, episode 101, where we talk about the great emu war. So fun. (laughs) Okay. Love you. I'll see you later. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.